Welcome to Behind the Line, where we pull back the curtain on the challenges facing first responders and frontline workers. The work you do is unique, and so are the stresses that go with it. Join me as we tackle key issues to reduce risks for burnout, and as we work to support you in doing the job you love without sacrificing being the kind of person you want to be. Hey there, and welcome back to Behind the Line. I'm your host, Lindsay Foss. If you're new to Behind the Line, what you should know about me is that I'm a clinical counselor specializing in trauma therapy, and after over a decade working with first responders and frontline workers around issues like burnout, compassion fatigue, PTSD, and related OSIs, I have become a passionate wellness advocate and educator for those who sacrifice so much for our communities out on the front lines. Behind the Line is a place for us to talk about the real-life, behind-the-scenes challenges facing you on the front lines. I created this podcast with the hope of bringing easy access to skills for wellness, allowing you to find greater sustainability both on the job and off. Happy New Year, friends! I am so happy you're here with me as we kick off 2023. I hope that your holidays went well, that you found some quiet in the chaos, and that your new year sparks a feeling of hope and renewal. As we kick off this new year, we're also kicking off a new series here on Behind the Line and covering a topic we haven't tackled before. Back in the fall, I put out a question to my followers on social media, and I was so grateful for the thoughtful responses I received. The question was simply, what would you like to hear about on the podcast? And yes, for those of you who listen but aren't following me on Facebook and Instagram, I do connect there and engage with your questions, feedback, and I love getting your thoughts and input as we continue to shape this resource and build a community of amazing helpers together. So please do jump over and follow me at Lindsay A. Foss and reach out with your feedback. I work really hard to always respond to every comment, question, and DM. Okay, back to our topic for today. One of the fantastic responses I received to my question was this. What do you do when you are, quote unquote, done the work of trauma therapy? Such a great question. And I'm so glad someone was brave enough to ask it. And when I sat with it, I came up with some other questions like, how do we even know when we're done? What helps us to know when we've done the work and are out the other side of processing and healing our trauma? And this is what we're going to be talking about today and next week in a two-part breakdown of how we know we're done the work. And then we'll spend the rest of January tackling what we do once we recognize ourselves as done the work. How do we maintain what we've accomplished and protect ourselves from finding our way back into old patterns and recreating experiences that hurt us? If you know anyone who has faced trauma, this might be a great series to share with them too. Okay. So let's get into it, and let's start by quickly talking about what it means to do the work so we're all on the same page. 
Given what I do for a living, my bias tends to be expecting that the work happens within the context of therapy. That said, I can also acknowledge that it doesn't have to happen in the context of therapy. There are people who successfully navigate through the work without a trained therapist by their side. And I also want to acknowledge that there are some people for whom therapy has actually been an actively harmful experience that has added to their suffering rather than supporting solving it. At the heart of it, the work we're talking about is really about processing our experiences in an effort to embody and experience them differently. For some who listen religiously, this will be a recap, but I want to make sure we all have this important background understanding. When trauma is experienced, it's experienced and interpreted through our stress center. Our brain activates a very specific region that handles the traumatic event or events and does what it needs doing to survive it. The upside to this is that your stress center is very good at survival. The downside is that it's not so great at a lot of other things. When the traumatic event is experienced with high stress activation, the memory of that event can get locked into the same region of the brain, which, by the way, does not have access to a clock or a sense of time. This is not the part of your brain meant to hold memories. Everyday kinds of memories get stored in other regions that have greater access to context and a sense of time, which is why they will, over time, fade a bit and start to feel old and distant. Traumatic memories locked into this region that has no clock will tend to feel very real, and we can remember them in a way that feels like reliving the experience as a result. The goal of trauma processing is to help the brain relocate the memory to its usual memory storage banks by helping the brain to contextualize and make meaning of the events in a way that lets us off the hook for our fundamental survival. If you want to know more about trauma, how it's stored, and what it means to process traumatic experiences, I'm going to encourage you to go and check out some of our other episodes on these specific topics. Try checking out season one, episodes 15 to 18, about processing. This one was specific to the pandemic, but has principles that can be applied way more broadly. Season two, episodes five to eight, cover information on therapy. Season two, episodes 22 to 25, talk about trauma triggering and managing reactions to triggers. Season three, episodes one to four, are on alternative therapeutic approaches to healing when talk therapy hasn't been enough. And season three, episodes nine to 13, are all on the impacts of trauma. I will be sure to list all of these in the show notes so you can find them there if you want to go back and listen. Whether you have worked closely with an experienced trauma therapist 
or you have worked to process through your experiences in the quiet spaces of your own life, the progress can feel slow and life doesn't stop happening to us during that time. So sometimes the process can be lengthy and drawn out. It can become hard to see the forest for the trees and have a clear sense of where we stand and whether we might be coming out the thick of it and coming out the other side. I also want to offer this as a reference point for those in the work of processing trauma. It can be helpful and hopeful to know what we can be looking for in our own lives and to notice the glimpses of healing that we can discover along the way. When I work with clients, there are a number of things I'm looking and listening for that let me know we've made some really substantial progress and that we've moved through the bulk of their trauma. I am sharing some of these with you today and the rest next time, so be sure to listen in next week too. Let me preface that these indicators of healing do not mean that my clients stop working with me. Some of them might, but for many, the work continues. It just changes. We sometimes change the frequency of our meetings to be every few weeks or once a month, and the context changes. Rather than being intensively in processing trauma, we're working at maintaining the gains, addressing new challenges that arise because life keeps happening to us, and supporting the post-trauma life each individual is longing to create. Therapy becomes a touch point, a place of familiarity and safety to come back to, to find care, affirmation, support, and a bit of a reset. It also keeps a lifeline in place that if something new were to crop up, which certainly happens, they have access to coming more frequently again to work out whatever new kinks have presented themselves. This is a really cool piece to me because we tend to be able to catch the new kinks way sooner and work through them much more quickly. And this can feel really empowering after having felt so heavily impacted by trauma in previous parts of their lives. Okay, okay, I know I'm really drawing this out today. Sorry, that wasn't my intention. There's just so much I want to pack in. Okay, here we go. How to know when the work is done. Indicators that healing has happened and that substantial progress has been made and should probably be celebrated with cake. Number one, you are not ignoring, avoiding, and distracting a substantial amount of the time. This doesn't mean that you don't ever scroll your phone or that you don't ever delay a decision, but these are done with intention. When we are in our trauma, we will mindlessly engage in these ways of tuning out. We will actively avoid anything that triggers our trauma. We will avoid conflicts that make us feel uncomfortable or reignite our insecurities We will distract and numb from our own discomfort. When we have healed our trauma, we will turn toward the discomfort and be curious about what is making us uncomfortable. We'll face it, engage with it, 
and not let it get in our way or cause more harm. We interact with the discomfort and lean into our newfound skills and resources to manage through it, to see that we can do hard things. We can navigate hard conversations. We can deepen connection through healthful conflict. We don't let things shut us down. We may make choices to shut ourselves down for short periods of time to reset, reconnect with our needs, consider our own intentions and next steps, but then we re-engage. It's done with purpose and mindfulness. Behind the Line is sponsored by Beating the Breaking Point. Beating the Breaking Point is a seven-part online training program designed specifically for first responders and frontline workers and tailored to fill the gaps in your training to support resilience and sustainability. Whether you're new to the work and wanting to cultivate tools to prevent burnout, compassion fatigue, and related concerns, or you are deep into your years on the job and have gone a few rounds with burnout and other mental health challenges, this program offers the foundational pieces you need to support personal and professional wellness for the long haul. You are a helper. You love your work and you sacrifice a lot Investing in you and your sustainability is the best gift you can give yourself and those who lean on you. We make this program as risk-free as possible by offering a limited money back guarantee to ensure that it's a fit for you. If you enjoy Behind the Line, you are going to love this program. Google Beating the Breaking Point Lindsay and find everything you need to get started or use the link in the show notes. Now, back to the episode. Number two, coping feels established and stable. We have routines and supports firmly in place. We know about our own needs. We're comfortable getting curious about ourselves. And we are willing to intervene in caring ways to ensure our own okayness. We have a hit list of things we know help us feel more steady and secure. We regularly engage in thoughtful actions that gesture caring and meaning to our own selves. We have awareness of when we're feeling off and are prepared with tools to become curious about this and engage in meeting our emerging and evolving needs. We don't just engage in coping as a response to a bad day or a hard experience. We are engaged in it constantly in big and small ways to preventatively support our own stability. And number three, we are aware of our common triggers, the feeling of being triggered, and have a toolkit to support us. We understand that triggering can happen, even when we've done a lot of healing work. Triggering is the body's way of trying to keep us safe. We value our body's effort, but recognize that not all triggers mean unsafety. 
and we have tools to support our body in calming down and finding safety again. We know what things are likely to trigger us and approach these things with gentleness towards ourselves and compassionate understanding of our body's efforts at self-protecting. We know what our bodies feel like when triggered, how to assess and know what's happening for us. When we experience this, we use grounding tools to help our brain recalibrate and trust that this process will gradually continue to embed new networks that promote a sense of safety where once we felt unsafe. Okay, I know that's only three things, but that also feels like a lot to sit with and digest. If you're using this as a reference point and comparing your own journey against it. So we're going to stop there for today. I want to encourage you that wherever you feel you're at in the process, none of us are ever truly and completely done. We are all a work in progress, an unfolding and evolving work of spectacular art It's okay if you're not there yet. It's okay if you are in it and not out of it yet. It's okay if you're discovering yourself out of the thick of it and finding that newly uncomfortable. Wherever you're at, I would love to hear about it. Connect with me, whether it's on social media by commenting on some of our Connect Point posts or shooting me a DM or sending me an email. I would absolutely love to hear about your journey in this. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Lindsay A. Foss, or you can email me at support at thrive-life.ca. And you can find all of those contact points in the show notes. I do want to say that if you value this podcast and want to help us in our mission to support frontline wellness, There are three key ways that you can help us to do just that. The first one is that you can rate and review behind the line on Apple podcast or wherever you're listening. Number two, you can follow me on social media at Lindsay A. Foss and engage with me and this amazing little community that we're building there. Every time you like comment and share our posts, you help us spread like wildfire thanks to the magical algorithm. And the third way that you can help us is by sharing this resource and our other resources with those you know. Whether that's forwarding our weekly newsletters onto your friends and coworkers, listening to the podcast as part of a team meeting, or using our burnout indicators checklist and triage guide as a staff-wide tool, every little bit helps us to take our mission to the next level and serve those who are sacrificing so much to serve our communities out on the front lines. Know that we can be found online on our website, on most major podcast platforms, as well as on YouTube. We make all of our resources available to you because the work you do matters. But way more than that, you as a person matter. And we want to make sure that you have what you need to keep up the good work at work, as well as in your very real and meaningful life outside of the work. So use it and share it. Happy New Year once again, and until next time, stay safe.